HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Essex Market. Essex Market is New York City's most historic public market, proudly located on Manhattan's Lower East Side. Find the freshest produce, meat, fish, and specialty foods from over 30 unique vendors. Learn more about the market's family of small neighborhood businesses at EssexMarket.nyc. This week on Meat and 3, we dive into the science behind munchies, the history of coca, the therapeutic powers of psychedelics, and mushroom-infused recipes. One of the biggest questions we get asked a lot is, does heat degrade psilocybin? The coca leaf was used as a sacred plant. So as a plant that could communicate human beings with gods or mother nature. What you can start to appreciate here is that cannabis is activating and hijacking the system throughout the body. Tune in to Meat and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil them rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you sad in the end. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Souther Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. Hey Greg, how are you? I'm uh, I'm living that retail life these days, man. How are you? Uh, we're in the same boat, friend. It's all about uh, <laughs> sh- packaging and shipping, shipping and handling, all that. <laughs> I um, know. It, it kind of reminds me of like you know when you get your first management job, and like you know you've like worked your ass off to like get your shake perfect, and like you can you know spout off about agave for like forty minutes straight without missing a beat, and you get like really really good at drinks, and you become a manager, and on day one they put a plunger in your hand they're like congratulations on the raise you're a plumber now like it's kind of the same thing man we're all having to develop these new skills in this weird strange holiday season that we're all in uh yeah the transitions are steep and difficult and uh we're i think under a lot of uh pressure to be creative about it you know um i think everybody has heard me lament uh, my, I have a litany of things that I've quote unquote pivoted to while, while this has been going on. And I, I have come to the place where I hate the word pivot, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cause I've done so many stupid things up to and including what I'm doing right now, which is, I, I, I had a puzzle made. I sell puzzles now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a puzzle sell, salesperson and I sell them out of my house and I have to ship them all over the country and world. Well, mostly the country I've shipped a few out of, out of country, but like it's, it's too much, you know, um, 
I was interviewed recently by a restaurant insider magazine, just sort of an industry rag. And I don't know how many of our listeners even get it, but it was an email interview. So I, I just pulled it up on my phone. To The last question was, what, if anything, have you done to pivot during, during the COVID pandemic? My response, which I had to think about to type it, you know, it's email interviews, so you have to type everything up. So you have to really kind of give thought. It's not mm-hmm. just conversational. And I wrote, I've pivoted so many times, I've spun around twice. During this, I've delivered cocktails on my scooter, hosted Ask Me Anything sessions on Instagram. I sold Fernet cured salmon and cream cheese. I've done 37 Zoom classes and tastings. I entered 12 competitions and won four of them. I made custom videos for brands. I made a puzzle. I joined a Facebook group of over 10,000 people to promote my books. I launched a YouTube channel and designed custom shoes all to make money. I did this while operating an outdoor cafe that I did not want uh, and building and launching General Store and Reserve, the two new projects that are Margo. And then I sent that in and I guess it got printed in the interview. I don't know. But when Natalie read this, she said, well, you also forgot that you rebooted uh, an Armagnac brand called Chabot, which will be available in February. They've been around for a long time, but I, I, they asked me to help them with some, with some parts of their uh, mainly reshaping the bottle and changing the juice a little bit. And then I read this to my friend Emily and she said, you forgot to mention the lemonade stand, which was the very first thing I did during this, <laughs> uh, which is where we set up outside and we're selling drinks on the, on the street. So, you know, and that's all in eight months. That's more than eight things. I've done more than a thing a month. You know what I mean? It's, it's exhausting. I'm flashing back to this time last year when you said, I think 2020 is finally going to be the year of vacations for me. <laughs> right. You're flashing back to it. It's a, it's a constant you know, nightmare in my mind. I had told everybody on the team after doing the holiday market last year, which was 33 days of pure torture, standing outside in New York weather selling bitters to people who had no idea what they were. Um, it's like trying to sell tires to people who've never heard of a car. Um, you know, like I was just so off base with that maneuver and I was exhausted. You know, I had spent the previous two years opening four bars and doing a book tour. Uh, and I thought I'm going to take a bunch of vacations in 2020. So I'm going to get the teams to all take their vacations in January and February, right after the holidays, which they did, which meant I worked extra to cover their shifts. Blake, my head bartender at Amori Margo came back to New York city on March 14th. Uh, which I had worked 10 days in a row for him. And then I was like, I am toast. And then, of course, we got shut down. And all of this started on uh, one week later, seven days later. <laughs> I think it was three days after that you texted me and you were like, hey, so this is weird, but I can't smell or taste anything right now. Right. That happened as well. So I, I, <laughs> and that was before that was an indicator. That's before it was on the list of indicators. So, uh, you know, I had it early on. Yeah, this has been a tough time. And now you're over there packaging things and shipping as well, right? Yep, I'm at uh, our our friend of the show and a uh, good friend of mine and neighbor uh, Matt, who runs Covert Cocktail Club. Uh, obviously, the Covert Cocktail Club, like all cocktail related activities, is not happening in person. But uh, we're shipping out a ton of really cool holiday boxes. So basically, you'll get a kit hand assembled by yours truly, uh, or a number of other people that have come by to put these things together. And you jump on a Zoom and you get. Uh, Matt, or at some point in the future, maybe even me if you're extra lucky, uh, kind of leading you through <laughs> the covert cocktail club experience from afar. I mean, it's you know, it's 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 what we're all doing. It's it's fun. It keeps me busy. Uh, it's it's not Plan A, <laughs> but it is like a, a super fun, cool, interesting thing that I'm I'm happy to be a part of. It's just uh, you know, you you make lemonade. <laughs> as yeah. much as you can when when given no choice you make lemonade yeah exactly um yeah i uh 
I've made one so far, but we're going to make a video for each one of the bottled cocktails that are always on the menu. So that's Old Fashioned Manhattan, your girl Sharpie Mustache, Deep Pump on the A Tomorrow says, right? We've done Sharpie Mustache so far. Making a video of me. Well, the first one was of me. I, I won't be in all of them. Or I won't star in all of them. But we now put a QR code on the bottled cocktail so you can have a video of me walking you through how to make that drink that you're enjoying. We're also having tea towels made that will be printed to look like the bar top at Amore Margo, the iconic penny tiles. <laughs> and we're going to have a Spotify list made as well so that um, we can have, uh, you, you can see me making the drink, you can lay out your tea towel and have it like you're having it on top of the bar, and you can listen to the music that we listen to. So similarly, we're trying to reach out and, you know, have the bar reach into people's homes. Yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, I, 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 I'm thinking back on what I just said and it's not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm super happy that we get to do this. It's a lot of fun. It's cool. It's a great project and it's a great way to like bring people together in uh, a way that, you know, they couldn't otherwise. It's not the in-person stuff that we're all just itching to get back to because we're all just, you know, we're social animals. If we weren't, we wouldn't have agreed to stand behind a bar and talk to 12 people or people for 12 hours at a time for a living for our entire lives. But, you know, it is, it is, um, it's a good way to, yeah, reach out to people. And if they can't come to you, we get to go to them. And that's kind of nice. Yeah. I mean, I think we're all uh, creatives and we all like to be on the stage and capture people's attention and deliver a good time to them. Uh, just like maybe our guest in the studio today does. Bring in our guest, ah, yes. right? That's a good, uh, good segue. Well, <laughs> I know, right? I was like, yeah, speaking of performances and pivoting, uh, everyone's new favorite word, please welcome uh, the general manager of Katana Kitten, Jordis Unga. Jordis, thank you so, so much for coming in to join us. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. So you are also in snowy, snowy Brooklyn right now. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, it's flurrying pretty hard out there. But they say it's only going to accumulate at like, you know, tenths of an inch. Uh, but it's just going to make things kind of slippery and wet, which sucks. Also, it's going to probably hinder outdoor dining and uh, drinking. Um, and, you know, uh, the numbers being the way that they are spiking indoor is imminently going to shut down. Uh, and currently, I think that uh, the numbers being as high as they are is um, eroding consumer confidence. So we're, we're not seeing even the meager capacity that we're allowed. We're not seeing it get full. But that's right. me being the doomsdayer again. Uh, let's get into you, Jordis. Talk, talk to us a little bit about you were on stage before. Uh, in what capacity were you on stage? Well, um, <laughs> I come from a music background, which a lot of people might not know about me. Um, I did some TV. I was on The Voice. Um, but before that, I did a show called Rockstar in Excess, which was maybe one of the first music reality shows we were put up in a house and the whole the whole bit yeah i kind of remember um, that one that was like uh, what year was that 2005 maybe sure yeah it seems like it was at least 15 years ago so but i do sort of remember that the the, the prize was you got to be a, a member of nxs or, or at least yeah. for a while or something like that i actually have a writing credit on that that album they put out after that show amazing um, yeah, that was a great show. We uh, Dave Navarro was the host. Um, I just saw him not too long ago. He was filming that tattoo show in Jersey or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, met a lot of really great people doing that. Um, had some crazy opportunities. I spent over 10 years in entertainment business. So, um, yeah, I did a lot of really fun and crazy things. 
<laughs> well, right, and you got to travel around the world and uh, get up on stage in front front of tons of people and and yeah, do do I, the thing you love to do, right? It was it was an incredible ride. I worked with legends. Um, yeah, I, it was. Uh, you know, I don't I don't really know what else to say about it. It was like I, a really I, crazy time. Even looking back on it, I just I think, wow, that was my life. Yeah, I feel um, like you're being a little humble. Don't you have a, a Grammy in your credit somewhere? Don't you have a... I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, uh, for, uh, for a while there, I was doing... Um, Tim Armstrong from Rancid decided that he was going to release a song a day for a year. Wow. And so there was this little crew of musicians that we would all split up songs and, you know, help him record these things and... Uh, you know, record them properly and release them song every single day. So I did a lot of vocals for him for that. And he ended up doing the Jimmy Cliff record that year. Um, and Jimmy wanted his Tim Timebomb and Friends crew. So I got to do backgrounds for background vocals for Jimmy Cliff. And he won a Grammy. And so I, I have a Grammy for background vocals. I mean, that's pretty incredible. First of all, that seems like an incredibly ambitious goal. A song a day? It was it was crazy. I mean, how are you recording one while probably writing the next one, right? They were all covers, but the thing with Tim uh, okay. and the reason why Jimmy Cliff went to him uh, to do his record is that he does everything as close to the way it was authentically recorded as he can. So you know, we used different studios, uh, we collected different instruments. Um, it was just, it was a really fun project to work on. Sometimes overwhelming, but. Um, you know, it was great. And so many talented musicians and obviously getting the opportunity to work with Jimmy Cliff was, I mean, it was mind blowing. It was great. I mean, that sounds exceptional. Like what yeah. a, what a, what a, what a time to get your, the creative juices literally just squeezed right out of you. Yeah. It was fun. Super fun. I mean, that's an interesting project too. Cause I mean, Rancid is not, it doesn't have a, uh, an, an indistinct, Sound. It's one of those ones where, you know, you can tell from pretty much the first few notes if it comes up on like, you know, your your Spotify shuffle or whatever. You're like, ah, yes, I'm about to hear Tim Armstrong's voice. So that's must have been a really interesting project to kind of, you know, chameleon yourself into all these different styles, too. It was great. So we would do like all from classically trained musicians to I'm just kind of like a. I took a couple of vocal lessons here and there throughout the years, but I'm not a trained singer. I feel like I do almost everything wrong. But uh, it was getting together with all these people and trying to do everything authentic and then having Tim come in and do the lead vocal on it. And he's 100% Tim Armstrong, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it was like, it was, it, some of them turned out really great. It's really, really great. He did, um, uh, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. <laughs> and it's no maybe way. one of my favorite things that he did. It's so Where good. can I listen to this now? That's going to yeah. become my new... I think they're all... I know you can... He put them all out on YouTube, and I, I'm sure they're available for purchase somewhere, but they're so good. You, you got to pull up a few of those. I, I honestly can't think of a better Christmas song for this particular year than Tim Armstrong covering right? You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. It's just it's It just so feels good. right. I had forgotten about, all about that one until just now. I have to pull it up, too. Bring that into rotation. <laughs> Rotation, incredible! <laughs> That's incredible. It's, it's the original that was was that Boris Karloff, Karloff who did that? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Uh, uh, that, I mean, that sounds fascinating. Uh, you got to travel all over the place. You got to meet all these incredible people. You got to do mm-hmm. all this creative stuff, 
And then you said to yourself, I'm going to transition because we hate that word pivot, right? And and you're going to come back to hospitality uh, is what the notes say here. Were you in hospitality before? I grew up in hospitality. My um, my parents met in a restaurant. My dad, um, my dad's a musician as well, and he did. He would do the Polynesian show. He's from an island called Tonga in the South Pacific. Um, he yeah, t- tiny little archipelago, but yeah. lots lots of tiny islands. Lots of tiny islands. So he got off the island playing music. He did the Polynesian show for Disney World, uh, Sea World when we were younger. Um, various Polynesian places, antique bars around the country. Um, and my parents met at one of those places in Minnesota. So my mom was a waitress and he did the show. They met, had the kids. My first job was coat check at the Valley High. Uh, my dad would call my sister and I up to do like hula dances when we were adorable. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think growing up in in places like that, whether it was just seeing my dad play or, you know, stocking glassware with my mom so we could go home. You know what I mean? I just always had a love for the kind of the buzz of that environment. I Um, mean, yeah, I mean, we, we all agree on this show anyway, that it's, it's an electric place to be. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing like it. And I think if you, you know, you either catch the bug or you don't, you know, a lot of people, come to hospitality for, you know, the schedule being easy to do other things and, you know, people come and people go. But if you catch the bug, and I definitely did, it was always something that I was happy to come back to. Outstanding. Well, this seems like an appropriate spot for us to take a pause and hear from our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to talk to Jordis more about what she's doing now here in New York City at uh, Katana Kitten, uh, a well-known cocktail bar. So stay tuned, and we'll talk more with Jordis when we come back. Essex Market is a historic public market located on Manhattan's Lower East Side. The market's 30-plus vendors source thousands of unique products, like locally made Jersey cheese to Nordic smoked specialties. This holiday season, Essex Market is offering five carefully curated gift boxes. Feast on the finest products from their family of small business owners. And that's great news for the team at HRN because we're always searching for unique gifts this time of year. Plus, these gift boxes are available for nationwide shipping now through December 18th. Send a taste of New York City to your loved ones both near and far and get 10% off when you enter promo code HRN10 at checkout. Visit shop.essexmarket.nyc to learn more and to start sending some food-filled holiday cheer today. And we are back. You are listening to The Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. Uh, Today we're talking with Jordis Unga. Before the break, we were talking about Music, touring, performing, Boris doing three hundred at Boris Karloff, doing three hundred and sixty-five <laughs> different covers with Tim from Rancid. We we covered a lot of ground in fifteen minutes. Oh, wow. um, but then we were kind of talking about you know now you're 
on our show, and you are the general manager of Katana Kitten, which is a place that's killing it here in New York City. And uh, we were talking a little bit about that uh, transition from one brand of performing to another. So talk us through kind of the, I know it's there's not really like a moment. There's not like June 5th, I, you know, put down the guitar. Ah. Well, I actually do have a date. It was October 17th, 2017. <laughs> well, and not that I put down the guitar, but like I came to New York on vacation. Wow. And at, on, at some point during that vacation, I decided that I wanted to take a career in hospitality seriously. And so I thought the only thing I need to do is find a job. If I can find a job on my last day in New York City, I'll turn around and pack up all my stuff and move here whenever they need me. And that's exactly what I did. You were living in LA at the time. I was in LA at the time. Uh Um, So yeah, I got hired on the spot at uh, Jean Georges Columbus Circle. And I went back to LA, packed up all my stuff, uh, put out a blast on Facebook to see if I knew anybody here for a place to live. I was winging it. (laughs) Incredible. Um, Which is actually, I'm glad I told this story because that's how I ended up at Katana. I had a cousin that lived in Yonkers who let me stay with her. Um, And she belonged to a tennis club where uh, Greg Nolan, the accountant of Cocktail Kingdom, was a member. And he would talk about this project he was doing. um, And I would talk about what I was doing at JG. And that I wasn't really thrilled with fine dining. It wasn't really what I thought it would be, or I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. And he just thought I would be a perfect fit for this project he was working on with Masa and James Toon called Katana Kitten. And that was kind of how, not kind of, that's how we met through through that whole transaction. transaction. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. And it sounds like luck. At first glance, that sounds like luck. But you know, I've said it a thousand times on the show, the harder I work, the luckier I get. So it's, it's yep. all about the hard work that you put in. It um, is. And it's, you know, I, I, I believe too, there's no such, you make your own luck. Um, but you know that's that extends to the people you surround yourself by, um, you know, keeping your eyes open for opportunities, and you know, not really saying no to things that feel scary or like big steps. I I dive headfirst into, you know, anything I believe in. So I'm I couldn't be happier to have ended up Tonicat, and I still feel like I tricked them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's kind of the, you know, that's, that's, that's the, if you, oh God, how many times are we going to say, I don't want to say pivot on the show. If, if you pivot right, you do it into a thing that you're like, okay, I don't, I think it's a mistake to go into something where you feel completely like, all right, I've got this day one, I'm going to be a hundred percent. You know, you want to be able to like learn something and build something and feel like you kind of like, you know you've moved into a spot where you can grow and learn and, and, you know, put some new skills under your belt. Right. I had this in my notes too. My, so Danny Hutton from three dog night, he and his wife are kind of my, my adoptive parents in LA. I lived at their house. I recorded my album there. Um, and the thing he would always ask me when I was either making a big decision or maybe bringing a new person into my circle, he would always ask, does, does this, make your life bigger. Hmm. 
I always love that he asked that and I still do it to this day. You know, um, if I'm going to make a big move, I try to see a few steps ahead and see how it makes my life bigger, whether it's uh, the people that come along with said decision or a person or whatever. Like it's, I'm always looking for, you know, the growth opportunities in whatever position I happen to find myself in. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, I think that's, um, I I think for the type of person who's in hospitality, that is always on the horizon. You know, I don't think any of us sort of stand still. We all see bigger for ourselves. We all want to move towards that gravitation of getting to the next step or the next goal or sometimes just even the next place, you know. So so I totally understand. But you left Jean-Georges, which is a highly prestigious restaurant group Mm -hmm. here in in New York City and and the Globe, right? What was your position there? Just Um, I I was on the floor. But eventually, my goal was to train into management there. Right. Um, but I was only there for eight months before the Katana opportunity came along, and I jumped on it. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people at JG were just like, okay, we'll see you in six months. <laughs> I mean, I, um, I, I feel like you, you said something uh, you when you, uh, just a few minutes ago, about how you... you th- Fine dining wasn't what you expected. And, you know, uh, I've had a long career, and a lot of it was in the back of the house, and a lot of it was at fine dining places. Um, And I feel that, for me, fine dining is exclusionary in a way that I don't like. You know? Um, Yeah. So I I could see that maybe you're in this place that was delightful and probably gorgeous, and and all the products were, you know, well thought out. Incredible. And manicured and and curated. But the real audience is pretty small because they just can't afford it, right? Right. So maybe you maybe you considered even subconsciously moving to a place like Katana, which was going to be this like raucous and bawdy and loud and, all, t- you know, take all comers kind of situation. Do you think that's true or no? Um, yeah, I mean, I did, I had a couple, I worked in a couple bars in, in LA. Um, Martini Bar, I helped build a sake program at a sushi place a couple different spots over the years. Um, I was always drawn to, you know, more of a bar atmosphere through everything that I'd ever done in hospitality. Uh, but when I came to New York, I just thought, you know, exquisite food was what I was focused on. I wanted to go, I wanted to go big. I wanted to go fancy, uh, you know, and, I'm I'm glad I tried it because I know it just it just mm-hmm. wasn't I mean you're right it was the audience was a little bit different um it didn't bring me you know what I loved was restaurant week when people that couldn't afford like you said exactly. to eat there mm-hmm. on a regular basis and they were so excited to be there those were my people <laughs> Sure sure like they like kind of they kind of bided their time and waited for you know possibly all year because they went to yep. three or four places last restaurant week and this this year they're going to these three or four places They had their cameras ready on the table they were stoked I loved I loved <laughs> restaurant I mean uh you know in that type of environment it's it gets crazy. Restaurant week is like nuts. It's not really that fun to work, but I just loved how happy people were. Exactly. I, I can totally uh, empathize with that. I feel yeah. the same as for me. And now that I've opened this new thing, Reserve, which only seats currently eight people at a time, and it's very, uh, it's 
elegant and it's curated and there's a story and there's some edutainment and there's even a script to a lot of it. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. a show, frankly. Yeah. But I'm like, man, I wish there was like a hundred people in here. (laughs) I know, I know. But I'm limited, of course, by the pandemic. Um, uh, You know, we will put more people, there'll never be a hundred, but we'll put more people in there when, when that can get over. But right now it feels to me like I've kind of reverted to fine dining, only based on the fact that we can only have eight people at a time. So right. It's making me what I'm saying, I guess, in long form. Is I've heard make, that from a couple people, actually. Yeah, it's making me really long for the days when my tiny bar, 240 square feet, would be packed with 45 people, shoulder to shoulder. Oh man, you know. we miss it. Yeah. yeah. Well, of course we do. I mean, we're all we're all performers. Like, it's never struck me as an accident that you know people that are actors and musicians and comedians wind up in our industry because you know, I mean the general wisdom is like, oh, well, it's flexible hours. No, it's not. Like <laughs> The hours are nuts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, good luck being like, hey, I booked a show tomorrow. Can I have the night off to your boss at like, you know, the height of holiday season? Like, no, it's so much easier. Like people in offices get paid time off. We yeah. do this because, you know, we like having that audience. We like that energy. We like to entertain. We like to be the ones who are up there throwing the party, you know, Gatsby on the stairway with the fireworks going off behind him, you know? And it's instant gratification when you make somebody happy. It's Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. It's why we do it. Which, which is why I was surprised, Jordis, when you said, and I I can't remember, I think this is before this was off air. You said that for a while there, you kind of flew under the radar that a lot of people at Katana, you know, don't actually know you as, oh, it's that, you know, vocalist who was on uh, that show where they were picking a new lead singer for (laughs) NXS. There's actually a picture, uh, James, James Toon, who owns Boilermaker and he's managing partner at Katana as well. Uh, He put a picture of me from Rockstar NXS behind the bar, (laughs) but I had dreadlocks like down past my butt like i look like the predator nobody knows it's me it's the most random picture ever um so some people do know a little bit about you know where i came from but has anyone ever asked you at the bar pointed to that picture and asked you what's up with that who is that yeah and then i'll tell them i'll tell them and i did get spotted once at the bar i had a uh, a family brought in their daughter who they named after me after uh, Rockstar. Wow. And, like, Masa turned off the music, and I walked up with my guitar that I keep in the basement <laughs> and met this little really, girl. Really building the drama. Yeah. I mean, Masa's so great at that. Oh, of but, course. Yeah, he's the best. Uh, yeah, I mean, some people, some people know, but for the most part, you know, um, for anybody that knows Katana Kitten, it's so fun and lively and masa is the master of ceremonies and you know we're still relatively new people come to see him you know and so like i was telling you guys i got to kind of fly under the radar and sort of uh you know i've had a lot of experience in hospitality but not in not in the beverage industry in new york city i didn't know anybody um, and so James and Masa really taught me the ropes and I was able to sort of, you know, get my footing a little bit, um, and fly under the radar. A lot of people don't know my story, where I came from. I just kind of came out of nowhere. 
I mean, that's great. Seems like a big risk for James and Masa to take on someone who admittedly has no New York City experience when, you know, we often see ads even that say minimum two years, minimum three years, New York City experience required, you know? Yeah. For any um, job, for any job, just to be a friggin' barback. Yeah, I mean, I'm listen, I'm good at interviews, but I, I don't know why they did it either. <laughs> <laughs> well, the bottom line is they did, and it seems to be working out for everybody. Yeah. How I mean, I did my research, and I was so uh, uh, inspired to work with all of them. Uh, you know, Masa is a genius. Uh, I was inspired by, you know, the cocktail kingdom and the business and I wanted to learn everything and you know I'm sure I did tell them if they're gonna if they are looking for somebody like me that doesn't have a lot of experience in New York City then I'm the gamble I'm the one to gamble on and yeah they did so I don't I I don't know if that is a gamble though because I mean like I always say it's like you can teach anybody anything except to give a shit you know if someone rolls into an interview and is like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a blank slate when it comes to, you know, mixing cocktails, but I love what you're doing. I love this company. I love this concept. And like, here's some crazy cool ideas that I've got, you know, take them or leave them. But like, this is where I see your concept is going. That's, that's an interview I'm going to, you know, put my cell phone face down on the table for and listen to, you know? Yeah. I mean, and after that, after I met those guys, it was pretty much on the spot. I was leaving JG and coming to work with these guys. Um, the whole team fell in place and it was all like little, everybody was like this little magical addition to the team. Like, I just feel, I feel like everything came together in such a wonderful way. And I think that's why we opened with such a bang. Like everybody, not everybody had worked together before, um, but we all understood what we wanted that room to feel like when people walked in the door. Yeah, can, can you can you take a minute and first of all, how old is Katana? You've been there since day one. How old is I've it? I've been there since day one. We opened. We just had our second birthday during, during lockdown, COVID. I think. Yeah, right. So you're so just over two, two years in, old. Yeah, just over two years. And those first two years, you've already been on fifty best bars in the world list, and a, a pretty low number, below twenty both years, right? Uh, um, 50 Best, we uh, debuted on at 14. Yeah. And we also won Best New opening that year. Oh, that's right. Best New. Yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And then this year we got Sweet 16, which we talked a lot, or we talked a little bit about, I think, not yep. not on air though. Yep. Um, we love Sweet 16 for us this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's, it's appropriate. Um, like, you know, we, we've taken the stance that we are just we're surviving. We've been able to bring back our, a lot of our staff, um, not a lot of, not everybody, but you know, a good handful of them. And, um, yeah, we didn't do any really crazy takeout programs and, but we're surviving. And I mean, that's what matters right now. Sweet 16 is perfect. (laughs) So, but could you talk a little bit about, cause Katana is, you know, uh, I always talk about my bar being very unique, and it is. But Katana is a unique place. Can you talk it a little really bit about is. like what goes on at Katana Kitten? Explain it. Explain it to someone who's never seen it or heard of it, because that person is listening right now. Okay. Um, well, Katana Kitten is a Japanese American cocktail bar. Um, I think if you've gone to any like real, like you know, we're not like Angel Share. We're not. Um, it's less serious than that. 
Uh, it's really hard to explain Katana. I know. That's why I want you to do it. <laughs> um, we play rock and roll music. We have uh, a lot of old movie posters on the walls, uh, but the Japanese release of those those posters, um, it gets really loud in there, sometimes very hot. The atmosphere is just joy, I think. Uh, we, Our staff is all very fun. Um, and we're following the lead of Masa, who is, uh, I don't know if it's, he's, he's like, a he has the energy of a small child, <laughs> but he's also a genius. At, I, I think, I think he's like a clown in the most professional sense of the word. It's just wonderful to work with him. Yeah. Um, it's a joy to be served by him. He's always doing something surprising. He's very thoughtful. Um, with people that come in uh, at pers- personalizing experiences. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think for people that haven't been to Katana or, you know, like we get a lot of people that are trying to make their way down the 50 best list. Um, and some are quite surprised by the atmosphere that we have at Katana because we're swinging lights around. Um, we want to make everybody very, very comfortable. And if, if, you know, us being clowns helps, you know, in accomplishing that, then, uh, you know, we've got, um, we've got props, we've got just cat masks, crazy things. Uh, we'll light things on fire. Um, the little, you know, the little monkey that comes out for birthdays, Charlie, <laughs> Charlie, <laughs> Charlie, the monkey, he'll come out for, you know, a little cheeky time, uh, bowling, bowling tequila. Uh, I mean, it's, it's an incredible place. And yeah, you know, you you know, know we just have a lot of fun, um, at the same time serving incredible cocktails and delicious food. Yeah, and it's an aesthetically pleasing place as well. Yeah. Like, uh, you come in on this sort of mezzanine-ish level that is on the sidewalk level, but your choice at the, right inside the door is to either go up or down the stairs. Uh, yeah, up. and they're very different. Yeah, two different uh, rooms. So downstairs is service bar only. Um, it's got a very low ceiling. It, it's modeled after the Golden Guy District in Japan. Um, and that's a series of alleyways in uh, Tokyo where, you know, some of these bars have one piano bench and that's all the seats that they have in the whole place. Yeah, right. Uh, it's, it was meant to be very loud and crowded and dark. There's only red lights down there. Um, the walls are full of, you know, different rock and roll memorabilia and all kinds of stuff. It's like, uh, oh, it's, it's really, really fun downstairs. Um, and then upstairs is the main bar, uh, a little bit less seating, all communal seating downstairs as well. Yeah, really different vibe down there. People would sit on top of each other, uh, you know, not on top of each other, but, you know, multiple groups per table. And it was very bustling and loud and interactive and great. I, I love it. I love both spaces. I love the, mm-hmm. uh, the upper upper level where you are, your eyes are, of course, drawn to the bar and what's going on at the bar. Um, but the room is still, you know, uh, you know, plenty of those posters you mentioned, movie posters, but the Japanese versions. Mm-hmm. I like I like downstairs when I want to just hang out with the people that I'm with and not be distracted by the bar. The bar's a little bit. Yeah. It's so eye catching. It draws you away, maybe sometimes from the people you're yeah, with when you're can. upstairs. But it, but it's that's what you want when you're up there. I I love the place. I I can't. I don't have a 
a, a word for how much respect I have for Masa. He's such a, you said it, he's like a, a, a child but a genius. Child uh, but a genius. You know, <laughs> I, I ran the social media for Katana. I still do. Um, that was one of the first things that I took on. And trying to capture the essence of that place was like a really fun challenge. You know, you can go serious and really well curated imagery for uh, Instagram, but they kind of let me do whatever I want wanted so you know we had funny captions and the stories are sometimes incredible like what is going on there (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it's just it really is just a very special place and um it's it's a strange time now but I feel like we're still creating we're still creating that for people that want to come visit us and uh to me, that makes that you know that makes us all really happy that we can sort of still maintain this escape for people that really enjoy what we built there. To really bring it full circle, it sounds like you're almost uh, doing a little bit of a Katana Kitten cover version right now. <laughs> yeah, full circle. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> what do you? Uh, what are your sort of aspirations for the future when we can? Uh, operate at 100% capacity again, or, or, or just what do you see for the future of Katana Kitten moving forward from, well, moving past COVID? Moving past COVID. I mean, I just, all of us, you know, I can't wait for this crazy year to be over. Um, for the future, you know, there's there's always things that can be improved, you know, um, and worked on. We're We're we want to go up on the list, of course, for World's 50, and that that's going to take. I'm not going to say pivot. <laughs> that's going to take. Gonna, let's you go know. with your word because I was looking back at your notes, and the word you use is reinvent, and I was reinvent. like, "That's the new, that's what I'm doing right now." Yeah, pivot is dead. All hell reinvent. I, I like it. I like it. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, just minor tweaks here and there. I think. Uh, I think just this uh, kind of era where we're at right now, we're able to kind of slow down and see, you know, where where we can improve things. And I don't know, I just would like to come out of this being better, <laughs> being better at all of it. And I think, you know, we all know the things that we miss and, you know, it makes us want to accomplish, accomplish, bigger things once we're able to open um you know i just want to hire back all the staff i want everybody to be okay and happy and be able to pay their bills and uh i'm just sort of focused on getting through this part you know what i mean sure making everyone whole again yeah yeah i'm I'm like they call me they call me mama katana and so i'm always (laughs) i'm always the one that's you know checking in on everybody and making sure they're all right right uh, you're running the Katana Kitten social media, Instagram, yep. anything else? Um, I mean, for a moment there, I was doing, um, a couple of the other Cocktail Kingdom bars, but oh, neat. I found it a little bit difficult because, well, I mean, Katana Instagram was my baby, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I never, you know, it was just, I loved building that account, um, and still enjoy running it. Uh, 
I did some of the photography for it. I, you know, da- oh, nice. I dabble. There's plenty of brilliant photographers in the city. My pictures are all right. <laughs> all right, all right. They're all right. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, look, I'm scrolling through it right now. They look great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, running the bar, doing the Instagram, trying to get through this. That's about it. Like <laughs> when we when we got on, I asked how you were, and you said I'm not answering that question anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I politely declined to answer that question. Yeah, I politely um, declined, and that's you know I've, that's how I feel too. I, I can double down on that. Yeah, yeah. My um, my go-to is still vertical. I'm still, still vertical, here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what? So it's Katana Kitten K A T A N A Kitten underscore N Y C is the. Um, Instagram handle. I'm scrolling yep. through it right now. They're glorious pictures and lots of lots of fun ones of Masa doing fun, crazy looking things. Uh, <laughs> I just I just scroll past you as well, so you're yeah. in there too. Um, yeah. He's working on a holiday menu right now, so we're going to be doing some, you know, some holiday inspired cocktails pretty soon here. If you know, if we're open. <laughs> right. Um, that's the that's the question that's all over every every New Yorker's mind is when is that shoe going to drop? I don't think it's an if; it's a when. I know. Um, well, Jordis, you've been a real delight to have on the show. I'm so glad that I, by total happenstance, ran into you during during the pandemic. I know. It's uh, so great. And bamboozled you into agreeing to be on the show. I mean, thank you for having me on. Just, <laughs> I, <laughs> I felt like, I don't know. It's your cotillion. It's your coming out. Now people are going to know yeah, who you are. <laughs> cats out of the bag. <laughs> cats out of the bag. Well, next time we'll invite you back on to uh, talk to us more about Katana Kitten, maybe when things are up and running uh, as we'd like oh, to see them. that would be great. Uh, and we'll get you to bring in a guitar. We have guests come on all the time and play music for us, so maybe you'll come oh, and do I'll that. I'll play you a song. Yeah. Hell yeah. Sounds great. Um, anyway, I think we're all out of time for this episode of The Speakeasy. Jordis Unga, such a delight to have you on the show. Please get yourself over to Katana Kitten. Go check out their Instagram at Katana Kitten underscore NYC to check out everything that they're doing right now. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, Greg, you got anything else? No, nah, that's it, man. Just uh, stay safe, stay warm, and uh, happy holidays to everybody. We'll see you back here next week for our uh, final show of 2020. So uh, stay tuned. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks so much again, and cheers. Cheers. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues. That's him. It's gonna get you some in the air. The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to the Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fair, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows that you like. Tell your friends. And please, join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.